everybody. New podcast out with my friend Casey Jaycox. Um, awesome dude. Waitman, thank you for connecting me with Casey. I was just on his podcast, came out last week. This one drops this week. Um, great beers and careers guest because he truly has an, another nonlinear career path. Um, got a point to his career where he, where he just decided it was time to, uh, to go a different route and leveraged all of his skills into an uncharted territory. Um, and had to do some figuring out along the way, but uh, he's such a smart, reflective guy. Um, we talk about vulnerability and belief, um, getting naked, the Lencioni book, um, among others. But uh, it's a really engaging podcast. I was just rewatching some of it a few minutes ago, and I can't wait to listen um, to the entire thing. So when you get an opportunity, check it out. I think you'll love it. I think there's a lot of actionable items, um, not only on things you want to do and can commit to doing for yourself and your career, but also just reflecting on where you're at, where you are at today. So um, please give it a listen. Without further ado, Mr. Casey Jaycox, welcome. Cheers, my man. Beers and careers. I'm honored. I finally got the call, call out of the bullpen. Oh, it, I mean, this is prestigious. You know, we're up there on the Spotify charts these days. Well, you and Phil Donahue. I, every, you know. I don't know Phil Donahue. Is that bad? <laughs> I just dated myself. Phil Donahue was, I think, rest in peace, Phil. Uh, outstanding talk show host in the 80s when I was a kid growing up. Right for like Price is Right or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll do a Google search. <laughs> I'll do a Google search. Um, Maybe you can put an image next to my, yes. when, you come, when the episode yeah, comes I, out. I, I, Oh my God, 100%. Um, Casey, uh, well, thanks again for coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey is a, currently today, uh, beyond just being, beyond being a husband and dad, is also a speaker, podcaster, sales and executive coach, um, and author. So, um, and Casey, uh, and I met through a mutual connection, Keith Waitman. Thank you, Mr. Waitman, for connecting. Uh, the two of us sales-minded individuals um, who can't stop talking beyond time limits. Um, but uh want to have Casey on because when we met, Casey, I was – first of all, I think what you do every day is cool. And when you tell me a little bit about your story, it immediately resonated with someone who's been documenting nonlinear career paths now for – 60 plus episodes of talking to people about this who are engaged and loving what they're doing, but they had no idea when they were kids or even really when they started their careers that this could be where they ended up. So appreciate you coming on and being willing to share your story. No, I'm excited. It's, it's, um, I always tell my clients stories sell slides don't. So a story that we tell today helps somebody either stay on track or motivate, try something different. That's what it's all about. So passing it down and, Keeping people, cause I mean, I, I mean, we all learn from someone else who did it before us. So that's the really goal is just keep, keep giving it away. It's the truth. It's, it's why I, um, it's why I love books and, and podcasts. They're such good. They're such great mediums for sharing that story. So, well, let's let people get to know you a little bit. We got a couple rapid fires that we ask all of our guests. It is beers and careers. It's 9 a.m. where you are, noon where I am. I will admit I'm drinking a, a water and I know, um, I'm not gonna guess what's in your cup, but uh, what is I've your had, favorite? I've already had a sixer for the record. <laughs> I already let it rip this morning. It's like, well, I'm going on beers and careers. 
Um, what is your favorite cocktail or drink, or are you a beer guy? Old fashioned. Oh yeah, love that. Have you love. always been an old fashioned guy? I'd say thirties. It really kind of started to really, yeah. you know. Then you became a little bit an old fashioned snob. It's like you, if you order one and they're like small ice cubes, no. It has to be the big ice cube. It has to be a nice, a nice cherry. Um, I, I love. And my, now my wife loves old fashions too, which is mm. maybe good and bad. Thr- yeah, th- thrilling to a degree. Yeah, but not so. Um, were you like always a, a bourbon or a Manhattan guy on the way to old fashions? Or just uh, go right I had Manhattan. I just, I just love them. I love the taste yeah. of them. Which is, um, I'm more of a light beer guy now that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. As I get almost near 50, my fitness goals are don't get fat, don't get hurt. And so, like, mm-hmm. if I kind of mean that kind of funny, but also dead serious, too. Um, the heavier beers, as tasty as they are, they, they uh, I don't know. Like a punch. Yeah. Like a punch. I love that. Uh, you're in good company, old-fashioned. I am I do lean more of the Manhattan way, but I love them both. Um, do you have a favorite curse word? A curse word? Um, probably a good old... I mean, an F-bomb is always fun from yeah. time to time. I think, That's I don't know if I have a favorite. good one. My dad's was, God damn it, Casey. Like, he could just drop some intense GD bombs, which made us laugh. So maybe I'd say that to honor my pops who passed away. Yeah. December 2021. I love, I love that. That's perfect. Um, any any favorite quotes either that are on your top of mind now or that you kind of um, lean back on? Um, yeah, well, I think... I, I got a couple. One, I think good old fashioned Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental, is mm-hmm. um, always on the top of my mind. I think curiosity is a superpower that uh, I know I help unlock daily. Um, the other quote that hit me right out of my, when I started my career, was from one of my first bosses, a guy named Doug Arthur. Shout out to Doug if you're listening. Uh, he said, Casey, do you want to be right or do you want to get what you want? I said, I want, I want both. He's like, you can't, you got to pick one. I'm like, okay. Um, I think I want to get what I want. He's like, good answer. That means we've checked our ego. And that piece of advice, so the, again, the piece of the quote is, you, be, you can be right or you can get what you want. And I think it, it's, it serves, it served me in the staffing and consulting industry so well because it helped me realize there's so much out of my control. Mm. Specifically, I, and I think the most simplistic answer is when clients wanted to convert consultants or contractors. Mm. Do I want to say, no, you can't do it because I, I haven't, we haven't earned our commission or we haven't earned our fee, but it's like the end. That's free marketing. I looked at it like person yeah. wants to go convert. And instead of at month two and a half or month four, and yeah, we could have get an 8% fee. But in the end, if I have a happy client, happy consultant who's now marketing the heck out of myself internally, what, it's a long-term win. Right. So um, those are probably the two I'd, 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 I'd share today. I like that. I like that. I, I agree with the curiosity as a superpower, but uh, a couple of things going on in my world that do you want to be a writer? you want to get what you want it's a that's a great that's a great thanks hard. doug thanks doug yeah well the advice is uh it's hard because you don't you need it when you don't want to hear it and mm. so i have i actually coach myself sometimes through i'm like i'm like and i feel like my ego starting to like fight i'm like dude and it's great marriage advice too yes yeah. i mean why yeah it's fun to be right sometimes but in the end you got to give anything. no doesn't join doesn't it's not a good to your point it's not a good long-term strategy Mm-mm. You um, actually, real quick, first job, like first paying job, what were you doing? Paper out. Oh, sweet. Bike, just letting it rip, dude. So fun. Sweet. Do you remember the video game Paperboy? Uh, 
probably my favorite video game in the early years. That and Oregon Trail were unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, so paper, I used to like have a, uh, I had a BMX red and, red and yellow, just sick bike that could just get crazy on it. But, and then my goal was just try to like go as deep as I could. And to, but then I started letting them rip on the roof and I was like, I might need to dial it in a little bit. Go back to like L, free throw line extended versus NBA three pointers. Yes. 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 That is, um, by the way, how good of a video game was Paperboy? That and Wonder Boy. I didn't play Wonder Boy. Oh, in the pizza joints? Unbelievable. So no, good. No, yeah. I, but Paperboy, man, that was, uh, that was sick. How about, how about favorite book? I have many. Favorite leather-bound books. Uh, my favorite book is... Um, <laughs> the Smell of Rich Mahogany. Mahogany. Your library. Um, that's a tough question because I've so I read a lot. Well, I think one of the best... It's a business fable, but it's written by Patrick Lencioni. It's called Getting Naked. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I joke that I have the Patrick Lencioni MBA. I have not read Getting Naked. Uh, it's fantastic. It's all about humility and vulnerability. Um, okay. When I... I had one of my financial advisors early in my career. He's like, Jaycox, this book, dude, it's, it's like, it was about you. Like, you're the character. I was like, what? And I read it. And I, I personally resonated so much that because it, it's, it kind of further cemented the path I was on when I was at K Force. Like, keep on this path, dude. This is, um, I mean, I love John Wooden books. Um, I love the seven habits of highly effective people. Cubby. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to that. Actually, I, li- I listened to that book right and I left K Force. I'd say that one's one of my favorites too. Okay. It, you know what's, you know what's funny is you asked me on your podcast a couple weeks ago, what was the last book I read? And I struggled. I literally hung up with you, got <laughs> up from my desk and on the little coffee table that I have next to like a seating area in my office is measure what matters. And I was like, I literally read this book, like to highlight it was like working through it. And I was like, how did I miss that? Like, it's weird how some books, do you know, isn't it weird how some books come right to top to mind? And yeah. others, others just, um, others affect you, but you don't think of them right away for, at least that's it for me. So I think a lot of books you got to read more than once. Um, True. you know, books, uh, I, I had this random quote came to me one time I was in the last year and a half. I said, a book is a book that goes on a shelf, but a book becomes wisdom when you start applying it. Yes. You know, and sometimes you got to read something more than once. Like I read is kind of embarrassing to say I read my book that I wrote 10 times through the editing process or when I did the audible version of it. And, and I, I learned from myself and I'm the author. Mm. That's kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of a self deprecating, but like humbling for me to say, cause I was like, it just reminds me, dude, I got a long way to go. Right. Right. Oh, which is, you know? which, which doesn't sound, which is in my opinion, such a healthy mindset. I'm like, man, I got a long way to go. It's like, okay, well, I got better than I was is what that also means too. But I love that. All right. So, so talk to us. Give me like, obviously resonate as, as fellow, um, sales professionals. Um, and I've been introduced to some of your peers back in the day who, who shared some uh, wonderful stories about Casey, but also how you were an absolute slayer. So maybe if you could just share with us, like you graduate from college, I mean, collegiate athlete. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave that out because that certainly affects um the rest of the path but like can you give me like maybe the quick overview of how you got to where you are today yep college athlete played quarterback at the harvard of the west coast many people don't know that it is central washington university um <laughs> i uh, had an injury that really led me to playing football at central that maybe i can share in, in, in a little bit but um 
I got teased to play in the Arena League, and I got teased to play overseas. And then once I realized I was done, I was like, okay. It was like this relief that, okay, let's go make business your new football. Like, let's find out what that competitive, um, something else to compete in. And I went to work for a barcodes, a barcoding and software labeling company. That's where the Doug Arthur quote came from. And after about 10 months, I was, I was starting to sell stuff. I was making all these calls. I was doing all these things they asked me to, but I wasn't making a dime of commission. Like something wasn't adding up. And I remember asking like, Hey, can someone describe it? And you needed like a calculus degree and a stats degree and like four MBAs to understand it. I was like, something's not great people love them dearly. But then I, when I went to my other boss who will not be named, I said, he's like, what are your goals for this year for an upcoming year? I said, well, I want to double my salary. I want to be in front of the customer. He's like, Casey, those goals are way too aggressive for someone your age. I want to rethink them and come back and we'll meet, we'll meet tomorrow. And right then I knew this is not the place for me. And my buddy, shout out to Kelly Hansen, who was at a company called Hall Kenyon that K-Force purchased and acquired in June of 2004, kept telling me to try to come to the this, this staffing business and contractors. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, I'm oblivious to what I did not even understand it, which it's pretty simple business. But at the time, I didn't understand it. And I interviewed nine times with oh. the likes of the Angela Ronicas, the Lisa Crawfords, and, and they're like, who is this dude? And I ended up leaving Barcodes West on an hourly contract sales job. Think about that. I left a full-time job with benefits and took a contract sales job without wow. benefits at $16 an hour, and I thought I hit the jackpot. I was like, this is freaking gold. I had a Mazda 1991 B2200 with sandbags in the back, rolling deep. Let's go, right? And I remember, like, I was so committed. They were like, ah, we just don't know if you have the, what it takes. And I was like, you don't – I'm a guy you don't tell that to um, right. because I, I've been through right. – I've, I've developed the school skill of grit and, um, I believe in power of the mind. Like we can do anything you want. Real, I truly believe that if we, hence the belief sign behind me, but you just got to put your mind to it and then have a plan and, and think through it. And so, anyway, long would answer. I, I got into staffing. I was there between Hulking and K-Force for 20 years. Um, grateful for so many experiences, amazing clients, amazing teammates, amazing leaders, you know, Jeffrey Neal, Kai, Kai Mitchell. Dave Dunkel, Joe, I mean, I can name them for, for days that so many of the people impacted me in a, in a grateful way. Um, and I, I would say right guy, right time, right place. I was lucky enough to be our number one producer at K-Force for nearly 10, 10 consecutive years. Uh, moved into an executive role, helped with some sales strategy work, some mentorship work. And then in uh, March of 2019, um, there was the voice in my head and the opportunities that was presented for me at K-Force. It was just, it was time and I left on great terms. Thank the world of K Force. Um, wish them luck, but it was I, I knew always knew deep down I wanted to write a book, uh, which I ended up doing in March of 2020. That came out called "Win the Relationship, Not the Deal." Knew I wanted to start a podcast, which is called Quarterback Dadcast, which you were a fantastic guest on. And then in 2021, coaching and speaking found me. I did not plan on doing this. Uh, people started asking me if I coach. I said, "Yeah, my my kids," and they're like, "No, businesses." And but I was hung up on not being quote unquote certified to be a coach. And I remember reaching out to a gentleman by the name of Andrew Moss in Toronto. And I, I asked him for help one day. I asked him, say, man, I, I think this might, I might want to do this, but I just, I'm not certified. What do you think I should do? Um, and is this a, do we, can we swear on this podcast? Oh, let it rip. Okay. So I reached out to Andrew, shout out to Andrew. And he goes, I go, Hey man, I, I think I have a, my first opportunity, but I'm not certified. What do you think I should do? He goes, he goes, Casey, can I be honest with you? I said, yeah, that's why I, I called you. He goes, no, I don't know if you can take it, man. I'm like, listen, I, I played football in college. I've thrown four interceptions in the first half. I've been booed. I've been part of the, one of the biggest deals in K-Force history, one of the biggest flunks in K-Force history. I can take it. He's like, okay, good. 
He's like, so what I heard about you is you've done blah, 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 blah. You've achieved A, B, done that. You've done this work in nonprofit. I'm like, yep. He holds up my book. He goes, then get out of my motherfucking face and stop wasting my motherfucking time. And I'm like, <laughs> eyes get a little big. He's like, hey, dumbass, this is your certification. Right. I cannot. And I'm like, thank you. I hung up with him. I called my first client back. Shout out Leslie Vickery. Mm. And I said, Les, are you still looking for a coach? And she goes, yeah. I go, I think I found him. Can I tell you about him? And I described myself on third person. She's like, oh, my God, who is it? I go, it's me. When do I start? She's like, what? I'm like, I know. I, I have no experience. I don't. But I, this is what I'm supposed to do. And if, after three months, if I can't help your, your vice president of sales, I'll give you all your money back. I don't even, I don't even know what to charge you. Right. And we worked it, worked it out together, and that was shoot, three years ago, and I've not looked back. Wow. Very cool. So you, when you left K-Force, you were like, I do know I want to write a book. Correct. And you knew you wanted to start a podcast? Correct. And so those two points. Okay. Yep. And just like anything, you can you can have all the goals in the world, but if you don't have the right habits, habits habits defect habits and habits um, help you achieve whatever you're going to achieve or not achieve. And so for me, I could say, yeah, we well, need to write a book, and that's part of my swear words. I I coach people on don't say the words need to, should do, want to, have to, or can't. Right. I said I will. So I said I will write a book, and so I said okay. From nine to eleven thirty for four months, I wrote every day. Some days it was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like Stephen Covey. Next day it's like, oh, my God, I can't even – I'm a fourth grader. I can't even spell right. the. Right. Uh, and every day and just wrote and wrote. And um, four months later, the book was almost done. Hired an editor. But the best editor I didn't have to pay a dime for. Your wife? Bingo. Yeah. That checks out. I mean, that's the best editor in my life, and I'm not writing books. <laughs> just, for, just for every, yeah. You know what's interesting about it is? Um, writing a book, like, okay, you left, you knew you wanted to write a book. When did you start to feel the mojo of, like, I'd like to put pen to paper about some of my ideas? Because it had to be before you, way before ten, you. Ten years ago. Yeah. Ten years before I wrote it. I knew it. I was in Dallas. Um, we, I did a lot of work in the telecom industry. Small little cell phone company starts the letter A. You guys can probably figure it out. Yeah, I can, and, uh, I'll try my best. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I was down there working with some of our younger folks, and I, they were so competitive and they wanted it so bad. But I was like trying to help them. Like, I expect you to win every deal, but we're not going to win every deal. I expect you to win people. I go, they're like, I don't understand. I go, we have to, you have to win. So, how, how can you win a deal, win a person when you lose a deal? They looked at me like I was like, huh? I go, think about it. Think about if we lose a deal to the Davis company. And Davis company re, you know, wins it. But two weeks later, I follow up with them and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Client, I wanted to follow up to make sure you had a good experience with Davis or, or Inside or whoever it may be. And the client sometimes would say, this is true, what happened? And not to Davis company, but like they, yeah. certainly a made-up company. And they would say, Casey, man, thanks for following up. I actually haven't heard from the place we went through. Or they'd say, wow. Thanks for following up. Actually, the person's not doing well. Is your person still available? Mm -hmm. So I would pick up low-hanging deals, low-hanging fruit just by following up. All the time. And so then I told our team, I was like, guys, it's you have to win the relationship, not the deal. And right when I said mm -hmm. that, I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. It was almost like when Griswold and European, I mean, uh, Christmas vacation when he saw his tree, mm -hmm. the glow. Like when I said that phrase, I was like, that's it. That's it, yeah. And I knew uh, it. I have. I, I, I um. I have not read your book in full disclosure, but when I saw the title of your book as a fellow salesperson, I was like, 
But I have a saying internally at Davis that the deals close themselves. 100%. You don't, you don't close the deal. You do all the work ahead of time, and then the deals take care of themselves. So uh, I just wrote down on my notes, on my uh, my wonderful beers and careers notes today, that uh, buy, win the relationship, win the deal. So that's uh, hopefully some Amazon dollars will be flowing your way, my man. Sweet. Or wherever you get it. It is, is Amazon. Way? I think it makes $3.46 a book. Um, so there that'll maybe I'll buy a sleeve of top lights or – I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'll, maybe I'll buy two so you can at least get a sleep of Provis. <laughs> I gotta play TP fives because I do work, I do work with uh, TaylorMade. Oh, you? Oh, okay. All right, there you are. That's yeah, like uh, loyal to the brand, which I appreciate. Which I appreciate. We've had a similar discussion before as a uh, as a Boston guy. I have this affinity to Titleist. I don't know what it is. Oh yeah. Forty five minutes south or so, but um, that's really cool. So you know you want to do that. Why do you know you want to do the podcast? Like when did that genesis begin? I did a K, I did a podcast at the end of my K Force career. So I was interviewing. It was like stories of K Force type thing where we'd interviewed people internally, and I just got helped them help people who like maybe you know top sellers or top leaders or top whatever they were. It's just a chance to get them to get other people to know about them, and help build relationships internally, and drive culture. And and so I lo- I love the experience of interviewing people and being curious, and it, it it sharpened my skills as a seller or business development person. Cause I, I had to listen, mm. you know? And so like, that's what I love now. And I, I joked with you when we did your episode on my podcast, I showed you this, the script, which is two blank sheets of paper, you know? And like, you have to go in with some you know, framework, but like, listen to what the client's saying, the prospect's saying. And so to me, I, I just, I love it. Um, episode we're on Friday, September 8th, as we're recording yesterday was September 7th to episode 213 came out yesterday. So impressive. So impressive. Do you, uh, a quick aside for people that may be listening uh, to this, um, thinking about your comment about you have to listen. And I think, you know, for, for Mark and my brain, I always go listening to understand is very different than listening just to respond as, as we know. But when you're working with um, whether back in the day you were working with just sales folks or your executives um, and and leadership now how do you how do you help people really understand listening like any any techniques that you sh- that you could share the audience could use because I don't think listening is a solely and I know you don't either there it's not a solely a business or sales skill I mean it's matters to your skill. friends and your spouse right like yeah it's a it's a life skill so like any any tips or frameworks on how you do that Yep. Or teach that. Sorry. Yep. So self plug chapter three is, is the difference that, that it's all about listening. It's the difference between okay. hearing and listening. Hearing awesome. is subconscious. Listening is conscious. We hear planes. We hear buzzing. We hear the right. fan. You know, you hear my, but you listening is you put your phone down, you close your notifications, you, you turn notifications off on your smartwatch, which shout out to all those things I will never buy because I don't want to have to even, I'm Amen. old school. Yep, What's I'm old wrong school with it. a regular watch? Yeah. Yep. I don't need that. Um, so a couple things that come to mind. One, I got taught this framework that I now I teach. It's called the Ted base framework. So Ted is tell me, explain, describe. Okay. And I, so that's the way I ask questions to help me listen better. Hmm. And, um, you, your comment about, uh, listening is very similar to what I always teach. I always say, yeah, it's important to listen to learn versus listen to persuade. Yes. So if I'm ever trying to convince somebody to do something, that's my idea. They're going to resist me all the time, right? And so if I find myself telling, I always 
teach my clients that every deal is won or lost in discovery. And so if we've not asked the right questions, clients are going to close themselves. They're going to, they're, they're the ones that close the deal. We don't close anything. So I love the way you said that earlier. Um, but a, a, a technique that I love doing simplistically that a lot of people don't do, I think the elite sellers do, is a, a power of a, a good old-fashioned meeting recap, internally mm-hmm. or externally. And by doing that, you show the – you actually do two things. One, you show the prospect, the client, your teammate that you are listening because you're going to say, hey, I'm going to send you a quick meeting recap. And you, and you literally say, thanks for your time, Mr. and Mrs. Client. Here's a, here's a few bullet points of what I heard today. If there's anything I've missed, please let me know. And so by doing that, it, I'm going to differentiate my, from the lazy seller who just wants to just put it in their head. And once the, now the client, now what I'm also doing, I'm, I'm saving myself time in my sales pipeline because one, I'm going to copy and paste. If they respond back, say, yep, looks great, Casey, copy, paste, put it into my CRM, mm-hmm. right? Or if they don't respond, then I'm saying, God, maybe, it's, maybe there's not as important as a deal as, as I thought it was when I left. Right. You know? And so I love my Angelo. And I always call this the my experience. She, and she, I'm paraphrasing here, but she said, it's not what you said, why you said it, but how do you make people feel? Yeah. And I think, I think listening is one of the best gifts we can ever give. Mm-hmm. When, when you have a chance to say the phrase, tell me more about that. Describe why that's so important to you. Explain what would happen if we didn't get that. Wow. And if that, those little listening tips, or even if you remember because you documented well that they went, um, to St. Mike's or they went to, they play golf at X place or, and and you, and you do a little research before and you say, man, I saw they're getting ready to play football against this person. And you just like show them that you care and then ask them questions about themselves because you prepared for the meeting. I think those are ways that you like your listening skills. It almost becomes addicting to the business dev or the leader because now you're like, wow, that was fun. They were engaged because I made it about them. Mm hmm. It's, I'm always overwhelmed at how many opportunities there are to actively listen that people don't seize through the moment as well, right? You get the customer and you call them, like, how's it going? And they're like, oh, I'm pretty good, but I got to finish up. I, I got to go. It's my daughter's birthday tonight. And they're like, well, let me run into my pitch. And it's like, and even if you ran into your pitch, I'd still call that person next week and be like, how'd the birthday go? Right? Yeah. Like, you just, they've given you layups. And you're just so obsessed with yourself, you're missing the boat. So that, I love that framework. And I, um, questions are the answers is certainly a, uh, is certainly like another thing I think of when I'm doing it. But, um, do you find yourself also, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm kind of interested as a fellow sales guru, sales thinker. Do you, do you ask questions even when you don't need to clarify? 100%. Yeah. You got to meet people where they are. Yes. And so for me, I yes. believe what I do matters. Sign behind mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got taught the power of that phrase from a guy named John Kaplan. Um, he said, he, he yeah. asked me, he asked, do you believe what you do matters? I go, 100%. He goes, would you ever try to convince someone to do something where only you win and they lose? I go, no. He goes, that's called value-based selling. Because I was like, I don't want to manip- manipulate people. If I know the answer, why would I ask it? I go, y- y- I do, but they don't know it yet. Mm. So I think I had to like train my mind to be like, okay, I'm asking not because I'm trying to win $4 and 36 cents. I'm, I'm asking because I I've seen clients go through what you're about to go through and I want to help you, mm-hmm. but I have to, I have to be patient and, and you know, not like be the cat on top of the couch pouncing on catnip. I have to like ask questions, be, be methodical, help people help take them through what I call value-based 
conversation of, you know, current state, what's not working, what would be life like be if, if we could create this amazing solution, what would be required for us to get there, be able to tell stories of other people's experiences, not from my view, but from their view. So I always call it third person storytelling. Um, I mean, long would answer all these things. And then the other thing about listening, practice. Sellers yes. don't like to practice. Sellers like to wing it. And if you like to wing it, guess who you're practicing on, guys and girls? You're practicing your clients. In the field now. Yeah, so imagine if you that was your pitch. Hey, great to see you today. Mark, I'm excited to practice on you. Do you got a few minutes? Right. Right. I, I someone had a great someone had a great tip for me when I was coming up. I think it was Patty Flaherty, who's episode one of Beers and Careers, actually, my first real selling mentor and manager. Um but she was like, you get to practice everywhere you go. You're in sales now. And I remember taking that. And, and one of the things she was talking about was like negotiating. She's like, just start negotiating everywhere you go. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, next time we buy something, I'd be like, is that the best you can? My mom's favorite line that she taught me, and my mom is not a seller, was, is that the best you can do? And I remember messing around, like, like moving <laughs> into my first apartment and going to Best Buy to buy a TV. And I'd like saved up like jacked up to buy my first TV to watch football on or hockey on or whatever. I remember going to the guy and being like, um, this price, is that the best you can do? And the guy's like, actually, no, I, I can do better than that. And I remember like coming home, my, my wife, girlfriend at the time was with me being like, you just negotiated at a retail store for <laughs> TV, but like, it makes you believe. And like to back to your point of believing, like once you have a couple of experiences, you're like, well, now I can do this everywhere I go. Have you um, negotiated a pack of Big League Chew? I have not. Challenge. Challenge accepted. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. <laughs> My kids love Big League Chew. That is that is too that is too fun. Yeah, the listening thing's a really interesting topic. I I I appreciate you sharing your framework because it's a challenge. And I read I read somewhere recently, and I don't know. I forget what book I was reading, but one of the exercises they gave was. Try to start your question or your response with the uh, with the with the last letter they used and the last word of theirs. Mm. So it forces you to like listen to the last word, which is very difficult to do as a person, right? You're just like thinking about what's going on. So, well, there's a lot of sellers, and if you've heard this before, but um, I met a guy named Travis Thomas when I did some work for a company called Limitless Minds and on this journey, and he's a um, He's shout out Travis if you listen. He's a, a mental coach in the USA national team for soccer. He also is a, a improv beast, and he wrote a book called Yes and. And so improv, a lot of sales teams will be sent to improv training because you have mm-hmm. to say yes and and then follow it up. So you have to kind of keep uh, building on the story. Yes. Whoa, that's very that is very cool, man. Kind of makes me want to do some improv training. Yeah, I, w- I would love to be in theater. Oh, like stand-up comedy, just work on bits. I have like started uh, writing down things that happened to me, like Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld experiences, and being like, I've been like putting them in notes, being like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so, well, buzzkill. But if if you get to the end of the book, in the very last chapter, I the whole when the not the, I tie yeah. things to actual life. So win the relationship with the athlete, not the outcome of the game. When my dad was alive, it was said, win the relationship with my dad, not his dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sarcastic fun one was win the marriage, not the boat launch. And it's about stories of people backing boats down on boat launches and divorces almost happening right in front of you. 
and I documented one of the most hilarious stories of us, the most crazy dude just dragging his boat, sparks flying, and yelling oh. at his wife like it's his wife's fault. I was like, oh, my God. So, you yeah. You see real stuff in the wild. Oh, yeah. So... I'm glad we talked about the book because that was really cool. And I'm always interested in the genesis of the book. The podcast started out as an internal K-Force thing, but you loved the experience and you knew you wanted to do it. But like, did you believe that when you left, um, well, I actually go all the way back. I think it's interesting that staffing found you. Cause I think that's, I think finds us most all. Of, it, we all get sucked into this industry. No one's like, graduating being like i can't wait to get into staffing i mean i think there are people that do that but i think it's like less than five percent of the population right the rest get found so you get sucked into that not knowing you'll do it and then turn out to be excellent at it when you pivot and you leave k-force and you know you want to write this book and you know you want to start a podcast are you thinking you're going to monetize those two skills well enough to handle the family no no i i literally i i mean i was i i did I, we were very smart with, with, we lived way below our means. We saved forever to put ourselves, cause I never wanted to have to close a deal to feel like I had to go to work. Yeah. I wanted to kind of be able to like, if I was, if I was staying under my budget and doing it the right way. And then that, that, that mindset kind of helped me probably do better than I ever thought I'd ever do in my entire life. And it kind of helped set me up for a spot of figuring out what I wanted to do. And then like a year of like, I just networked and networked and networked after like kind of my second year. I had a, a non compete when I left. And so I was, Wanted to honor that, and I didn't know if I'd ever get back in industry. I didn't think I would, but I, I knew that I wanted to get this message out because I had clients that told me, one of them specifically, she said, "Go change the world." Mm. Go change, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" You know, it didn't well, maybe some imposter syndrome, but I believe that the mindset of one relationship not deal will impact millions. You have to believe in that. Yes. You know, as a competitor, it's like that's one of the reasons why I didn't go play professionally. I think because I just a teeny bit of self-doubt like mm. my, my the guy that I backed up my first two years at central was a guy named John Kitna who played in the league for 17 years. Yeah. I, I started right when he left split time with the, my split time, my sophomore year, then started both junior senior year. But Kitna had, it was not a doubt in his mind. He was going to play mm. in the NFL from a division two school. I was like, I, I mean, I think I can. And John's like, dude, you're, you're just as good as some of these guys in camp right now. But right. For whatever reason, now so now I've learned the power of belief. You got to believe mm-hmm. what you do matters, and that you have the skill set to do it. And so, like my daughter, sophomore, shout out to her. She she made varsity as a freshman. Um, oh. She made varsity. She found out last night. Um, and I I just tell her, I go, but when you go on the court, right before you step on the court, say a little self talk to yourself. That said, there's not a better defender in this entire school, mm-hmm. and they better watch the f out because I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she has this like killer mindset now because I've my own gaps. I've helped her develop mental skills to become a competitor. Mm. You, that is that is really interesting to hear you say that because I feel like sometimes like hearing the Kitna story. Part of me thinks that there are a group of people that don't do. And I don't know John Kitna from anyone, so I'm making this up in my brain, but that arcit that archetype of a human is like sometimes they literally don't do any self-reflection to the point where they can't even find any doubt. You know what I mean? So they're just like bullish on what's going on. Whereas like I, and I love 
what you just said with your daughter and the mindset piece. I have found in my own experience, and I'm, in, I'm asking this is a lead up to a question. I have found that um, adversity, difficult experiences, setbacks, although they have created moments where I've ruminated and kind of spiraled a little bit, probably the wrong way of just thinking, like losing too much confidence. I do think that at some times that has turned into fear that has become healthy and motivated me. So I, so I played division two lacrosse. I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I put it on a pedestal. I, I got like looks for D1, but I was like, you know what? There's no real pro lacrosse. I want to play for four years as opposed to trying to walk on. I'll go D2 and give myself a better chance of that because I was getting recruited more heavily at the D2 and D3 level. That summer, I had this, I had made up what Division II lacrosse was, and I never worked harder out of the fear that I was going to be unprepared for it, as opposed to believing that I was worthy enough. So I'm just, like, interested on, like, do you think that those things are really just more in balance? Or, like, how do you think about that from a mindset yeah, standpoint? That's the first word that came to me. It's balance. I think it's, I think it's healthy to have both. I think it's healthy to believe but it's also, I think that's where you, it's healthy to believe that that's like the, the confidence, the, the curiosity of blink, like, yeah, I can do this, I think. But then the, the humility, I think you, by you, how you said that is that's the humility that drives you. Yeah. That, that I'm only as good as today. Yeah. I'm only as good as today. I, yes. I mean, it's like, I can, this is what I used to tell like the Cape Horse people, like, dude, I killed that meeting. Can I tell you all about it? I'm like, play clock's gone. We got 20 seconds left for the next play. So make it quick. Yeah. Not that I didn't want to like, Happy. Let's at the end of the day, let's celebrate together. But like right now, every if we like you're going to get a 15, you're, I mean, a delay game penalty and we're going to go five yards back. Why uh, our competitors just call the clients we're trying to call. Right. So I, I think it's a balance of celebrate the wins. But mm. that's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to. Yeah. Do. Yeah. And don't dwell on the negative too much. Um. But I think adversity, you know, Tony Bennett coached in Virginia, great basketball coach. He's, he had paraphrasing. He says adversity is life's golden ticket, mm. which I love. he's the only 16 seed in the history of the NCAA tournament to lose to a one to a 16 seed. He's only one seed to lose to a 16. Wow. Next year he came wow. back. They won it. Yeah. And that's what he, that's what he told. Wow. You know, um, that is, that is, that is so interesting. Can you share? Like how you use adversity today, mm-hmm. because yeah. I think because I think because I think it's like it, the storytelling of it is resonates more than thinking. Because people sometimes don't recognize the adversity that's been given to them. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think people from a distance who don't know people, they're like, "Oh, that guy's lucky," or "She's really lucky." That's yeah. a better way of articulating what I was. Trying you know, to say and there. and you know, you look at the 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 most elite performers in any in any. So much has been done behind the scenes to build them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it all, it started in, when I was 16 years old. I was in a quarterback competition with, um, a way better athlete than me. He ended up getting drafted by the Yankees, made it to AAA. Wow. I mean, my sophomore year, I was on the sophomore team. He was, he was the same age as me. He's playing JV. So like, kind of like the, there's the writings on the wall. This is going to be a short high school career. And it was, there was like 13 of us on the sophomore team. So I'm, I mean, I'm 6'1, 134. I look like Beetlejuice. Yeah. And just playing all these crazy positions and but it was so fun. And I, I, I like feel like I earned the respect of my offensive line coach and he was our sophomore coach. 
just because I would get my ass kicked so bad. And then I got a chance to play in one JV game, and I split some time with this dude. And I played very, very well. And at the end, one of the coaches goes, Jay Cox, your stock's rising. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. Oblivious. Oblivious. Like, <laughs> right. stock? What did, I, I don't understand. He's like, the stock market dipshit. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah. I was like, okay, it makes sense, whatever. And so at the end of the, end of the season, uh, my high school football coach, huge mentor in my life, actually just had a beer with him about two weeks ago, Marty Osborne. He says, you, you could be an average high school athlete or you can be a really good quarterback and be our starter, but here's what you have to do if you're interested. I'm like, yeah, I want to listen. This is where I taught, this is where I learned about visualization and goal setting. So he said, you, you will be our starting quarterback if you achieve this bench, the squat, this clean, your arms got to improve, your body fat needs to be this, you got to get speed. So I'm like, big uphill battle. But, but very in my tangible, mind, specific goals. Very specific and measurable. Wow. wow. And the fact that someone else believed in me outside my home gave me mm-hmm. more confidence. And that's, there's a great uh, coach life guy that I do. I mentor mine named Bruce Brown, and he has a little small booklet he writes on confidence. And he said that's how it's built: one inside the home or the company, one outside. Mm-hmm. And Marty Osborne was that guy. And so the fact that there was belief. So long story short, we I end up getting to the we go to a couple camps, grinding. I mean, I'm getting up and you know three days a week at five thirty. I'm lifting twice a day. I'm throwing on Tuesdays and Thursdays to anybody. Oh, you're the, the, the freaking Spanish teacher, my sister, the tuba player. Anybody can catch routes. You're, you're gonna get catch balls and. Right. Um, I end up, they end up naming me the starter week one and I was like, holy shit, it happened. And my parents freaked out. I freaked out and we had a pretty good season my junior year. I learned about uh, humility because that one game I went three for 11 with eight drops. Some math majors at home. I mean, I did my part, but it's not about me. Yeah. Be a better teammate. So the newspaper said, case, you know, tough game. You guys lost three for 11, got a lot of drops and I had eight drops. Yeah. And I, something inside me called this God, my parents, whatever. I said, I, I, I could have done a better job, make some of those throws easier, you know, different shoulder, put it in a different spot. You know, those throws, I mean, as much as it's, it was wet, I could have done a better job to make. And the next day my receiver's like, I can't believe you did that, dude. I'm like, what? He's like, you didn't need to. I'm like, I'm not going to air you out in the freaking paper. I'd rather mm-hmm. me take that. And so like, I learned about, okay, I, I just earned more Fine. stuff. Leadership. Fine. Leadership yeah. too. At a young age, without even realizing it. Right. So, go into now my senior year. Um, we went to the a couple camps, and the guy that I beat out, he's now switching to play tight end. And we're we're having a great summer. We're throwing the ball in the yard. Where I go to this University of Washington football camp because my buddy was getting recruited there. Thinking, oh, I'll go, it'll be fun. I have a great camp, not even thinking anything. I get to the end of, end of the camp. They're handing out awards. I'm like, I'm looking around. They say, and the most outstanding quarterback of the camp is Casey Jacox. I'm almost like. What? And so now I'm all of a sudden not being recruited to on UW's radar. I have tickets to every home game. I have locker wow. room passes. I have all this gear. I have them like, what? And now I'm like, holy crap. And then we go into our, these things called a jamboree, which is yep. pra- kind of like a practice game for people that don't know at home. And we're torching teams. Uh, and the last play of the jamboree, I get put in for some reason, which is meant to be. Uh, snaps a little slow. Uh, defensive lineman shoots the gap, pins my foot down so I can't move. Defensive end comes around, blasts from the side. Foot goes yeah. one way, I go the other way. I literally felt the tongue of my shoe flew off, it felt like. Four bones, immediately broken. Um, I, I got up, took a step, collapsed. Um, I knew there was, I went into shock immediately. High school trainer comes out. She's like, I think you'll be back by Monday. 
you know, typical, God love the high school trainers. Right. Oh my, be fine. oh my God. And now I'm like, okay, this isn't good. We're driving the car and I'm like starting to tear up and tell my parents like I am in pain. This is awful. And, uh, they take me to the ER and like, we'll check it out. Doc's like, we got to get you in surgery. Now you have four broken bones. We got to get a pin in this immediately. I'm like, you're done. You're not playing this year. Right. And you want to talk about a, a, a level of depression that hit me like lightning. And the lesson was it can be gone tomorrow. And what the hardest part about the lesson was Shane, who I beat out now has to switch from tight end to play quarterback. Show goes on. Mark, he would go on to set our single season passing yardage record. He would take us to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years and he would be named second team all league. And I had to watch. I was telling myself, hoping he would play bad in my mind, teaching all these negative thoughts. And after the third game, Something inside me said, go frickin' ask for help. And I went to Coach Osborne party, and I said, Coach, I'm I'm a wreck. I'm a, I'm a captain. I'm not acting like it. I'm thinking these horrendous thoughts. I'm hoping the team does bad. I hope they. I hope Shane sucks. Why, I mean, why is this taking, taking, me, taking from me? He's like, dude, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, did you hear what I just said? That, that, that's the worst captain possible. He's like, no, this is awesome. You're asking for help. We're going to find you a role. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, let me think about it. I got it. He's like, you're going to be my offensive coordinator. I want you in the booth. I want You know this offense better than I do. You're going to see things I might not even see. Will you take that role for me? I'm like, yeah. I Boom. Confidence is back. Clarity. Purpose. Engaged. Done. And, I mean, so that story. What a good coach, man. Oh, dude, he's a freaking man. He's, Who was that? What was his Mark, name? Marty Osborne. He is a fantastic human being, one of the best coaches I've ever played for. Uh, and it shaped me. Um, and so instead of walking on at UW, I went to a school called Central Washington where he played quarterback in 81, 82. He called and put a good word in for me. The recruiting coordinator at UW called and put a word And I had no film. I showed up 12th in the depth chart. Um, long story short, I ended up you know, being a three, two and a half year starter, um, All-American my senior year. Um, and, you know, but, and so many lessons and memories. But like that experience prepped me for, I think, why I – had the run at K for so but yeah, I could easily I could easily be, man, I'm the number one guy. This is sweet. Get back, do it again. Figure out a way. Yeah. Don't let yeah. someone take that job that you've earned for. If you get complacent, you're gonna get hurt. Right. Pay attention to every detail. Like um and that that was and I think what drove me to it, I'll end up with this one because then we're getting close on time here. When I would give speeches at our awards ceremonies every year at, for K Force, our CEO Dave Dunkel would say, Man, you you've you did X more than he did last year, but you're more humble this year. I don't get it. And when he said that to me, that was such, that's such a like grounding feeling. I was like, I never want anybody to think I was an arrogant dick. Ever. No, because it's like, dude, who, who, my kids could give two shits what I do. They don't know what I do. Right. Uh, do I show up? On, am I at their practice? Do I ask them questions? You know, just I think being nice, that's the thing maybe I end this. Being nice is never going to get replaced by chat GPT or AI. It's never going to go out of style. Mm. I know it's um, and AI is never going to have an experience like that to look back on. Like, no. I, like I got, like I gotta think. And dude, you, uh, God, did you make a lot of things just flow through my brain while you were telling that story? Do you find yourself recently, let's say the last five or ten years, do you find yourself? In moments of doubt or when the belief is wavering, do you find yourself wavering and then looking back on the adversity being like, no, nope, I've been here before. 
The only, I would call it doubt is like, I get sometimes 2% compare syndrome where like, I'll be like, I'm like, Oh, this speaker's doing that or, mm. or this, or they're doing this. But then I say, I don't want to do that. I'm yeah. so happy what I'm doing. I'm so comfortable knowing what I'm doing because I'm not making the shit up. I'm telling stories of my own failure. I'm telling stories yeah. of my own success. And I'm picking and choosing when I get to travel. I'm picking and choosing who I'm going to work with um, because I've earned the right. I've been, I've been doing this yeah. for a long time, and I've still got to go out and earn respect to people. I've still got to go ask questions. I've still got to make sure that what I, my experience aligns with their business problems so I can help provide a solution. But when I get in compare mode, it makes me think, remember where you're at. You're at home right now. You're not on the road. And for, for I traveled my ass off at Cape Force. Mm. I'm like, I don't, I don't miss that. Doesn't, I mean, to each his own, maybe I will eventually do that again. But right now i got a senior in high school and a sophomore. And I want to experience these last two years, three years while they're in the house as best as I can. And then after that, then maybe I'll be open to get crazy again. Mm. But for right now, I'm just, I, I just, I'm just in, in a mindset of gratitude. Every morning I do gratitude work. Um, and I think that helps keep me grounded. And I, I just, at the end of the day, I can be my best. I can't be the best. I just have to be my best. And maybe my best will be the best some days. But if I'm my best, that's all I have control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I mean, uh, as the audience is listening, this is why Casey's got a kick-ass podcast. Because it's excellent, excellent, truthful, honest, and open dialogue that's, like, full of reflection. I, I like, hearing you talk and, and like, kind of, like, quickly doing the Reader's Digest in my own brain, I also feel like, I also feel like, moments along the way um reinforce the messaging of of the belief or the or the you know i loved how you say man we're giving ourselves a delay a game here that's like completely self-imposed do you you think i get the adversity piece uh, and i get how how so much of that has um helped you in the future but being like, I also got to think that you, you also are probably incredibly grateful for just the way in which you were raised going through that. Because you mentioned kind, like that was an interesting way to. You were talking about adversity and the way you applied it. And then and then your own rumination of being like, well, F this kid who's taking my job, which I think is the most normal 17 year old response in the world. Mm-hmm. And then. You ended the whole dialogue with being like, but at the end of the day, I can still be kind. And it's like, man, like that was not where I thought you were going to be going. And I, that, I don't think that the kindness came, um, no offense. I don't think the kindness came just from coach or just from you in that moment. I think that probably was revealed. Like that character trait was revealed from, from, uh, being built much earlier on, if I had to guess. Totally. Mom, dad, grandparents. Um, but I, I think what I got, what what helped me also part of that story is I, I you know going to Shane and like hey listen dude I'm hurt but I'm my job I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that you're the most successful quarterback ever mm-hmm. and he was because at the time he's like we were competitors teammates yeah but like you both wanted the same job I got it now he's like now he gets it now so he's like is this guy really does he really want to help me I'm like yeah I want to help you my job is and mm-hmm. so I remember there was time he was late to practice one time. And I, and I pulled him aside and said, listen, dude, you could probably kick my ass because I'm on crutches. Don't ever be fucking late again. Right. I said, I would do anything in my power to take this cast off and play. Please do not disrespect the team again. 
I'm saying this because I care. And you're the, you're the leader of this team, dude, not me. You are. And he was like, and I mean, I think having, having the courage, which is hard to do, but he, but he responded, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I can't, I, I real I like, I can't help but think about what a cool experience, obviously looking back mm-hmm. later, not in the moment, but what a cool experience to prepare you for coaching, mentoring, and ultimately managing people in real life. Right? Like you got to totally. do it in a place that was like, the stakes were ultimately pretty low, right? Yeah. Mom and dad are cooking you dinner when you get home. You don't have to pay any bills. But, like, at the same time, the intensity level of it is incredibly high. And a lot of people have to make all of those same kind of – I was talking to my parents last night. It was my 10-year wedding anniversary yesterday. My parents were over watching my boys. So my wife and I go to dinner. And my wife was coming home from soccer practice, so I was there just kind of – she was changing. I was shooting the shit with my parents. We were talking about private school and public school and all of this. And my parents were asked, asking about, like – um, adversity and moments, and I had some injury kind of stuff like you, and I and I always say I'm so happy that the adversity I experienced happened early. Like I like it like if there's anything I think about with my kids, it's like I don't want them to, um, I don't want to nerf the edges so that they ex- have to experience adversity of the real world later in life because the earlier they can experience it, the better because there there's a better support network to deal with it. And the stakes are lower. And so, like, I feel like when I'm hearing your story, I'm like, it's so funny because I think 15 years ago, I'm like, dude, that sucks. And now I'm like, I kind of look at you as like, ah, oh, it's pretty lucky. Like, what a cool thing to have in your back pocket that's like, nah, man, I've been here. I've dealt with shit like this. I'm not freaked out by it. So, well, I'll, I'll air my son. You made me think of a story. So my son is, I'd say, above average high school golfer. He's getting recruited by some D2, yeah. D3 schools. He... Uh, he's giving us strokes when we play together. He has to. He, uh, he, he qualifies for the state tournament first time. And he got a little Justin Thomas syndrome out of the blue where the slump hit him and which golf does. It just shows up. Yeah. And I always say, no one wants to play the dick. So if you're playing bad, still be a good dude to play with. Have fun. Right. Don't make it worse for everybody else. Just like you're going to have a bad day, don't be, don't bring your attitude and negativity to the office. You impact the culture, the foursome of the group. And he ended up hitting it well, but didn't score well. He shot his worst round ever in, in like a year, 85, 88. He finished dead last in the state tournament. Dead last. And I said, bud, let me, let me, let me tell you two things, three things. One, you didn't quit. Huge success. Huge success. So many golfers would have made up an excuse and went through with like injury. You didn't. You freaking yes. faced the music. Two, the sun's coming up tomorrow. Guarantee that. And three, whether you shoot 68 tomorrow or 91 tomorrow, I'm going to love you the same. Right. Doesn't matter. Right. It is. And, and I think how I think having this podcast, having my adversity, it helped me brace for that and like and tell him like, dude, this is a good thing. Like it mm-hmm. sucks. I felt really bad for you. It was tough for me to watch you struggle because I couldn't do anything about it. But Something will come out of this positive if you look for it and you're patient and you're curious. Now he's back to himself. He's shooting even, one over. He won a match yesterday. He's won his like high school match yesterday. His team won. So it's just it's fun to like kind of you, you got to lean in on these things when they're not going right and figure out okay something positive is going to happen. Yes, you know? keep the faith, but yeah. but but also examine why we we're here. 
you just quote George Michael? I think I might have. I think it might have, in in an unintentional way, actually, in an unintentional way. You know what, I'll end it with this, and I I think you asked me some of my favorite books, and I said, the 5 a.m. club and Atomic Habits were mine, and there's a quote that uh, when you said, I'm never going to buy a smartwatch, which I'm on that team to the nth degree, like, no notifications, I mean, I do have, you can call me. But that's about it. But the, there's a um, there's a tenant of the book in the 5 a.m. club that says a uh, an addiction to distraction is the end of your creative genius. Mm. And I think that the reason I'm bringing that up right now is not only your your smartwatch comment, but also like if you are like just going through life like that, you really don't have the opportunity to look back at what happened that day, that week, in that moment. Yep. And try to handle it better for the, for the future, and which is what kind of you build on along the way. So, like, when you do hit these career changes or setbacks and stuff, you've got something to lean on as opposed to just taking it at face value. Um, awesome stuff, man. I appreciate you, sir. We, we're screwed. We could do three hours of this. Yeah. Um, then you'd be the next Joe Rogan. I know, but but people listen. More people listen to that than this. I don't this think Slayer's still sure. I listen to you versus Joe Rogan. Sorry, Joe. You, you, well, you're, but you're, but you and I have a ton in common. We could talk sales <laughs> off sales <laughs> for about twenty five hours. I I really appreciate you telling your story. I think it's I think there's a lot of people um, that get sucked into careers early on, like we both did. I'm still in it in staffing, and it turns out to be great. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that have the fear of leaving, especially hearing your story of like, I'm a top performer. Why would I leave to go do something else? I think following your heart and, uh, and then having the belief at the end of the day to do it is, is an inspiring story. So you only get well, one, sh- you only get one shot at this thing. You might as well enjoy your laps around the sun. Yep. hundred percent. I'll end this. I know we've joked around a lot, but I've actually, so I, when I knew I introduced you to Chad and I, and I told him like, Chad, you got to meet this dude. Like, the thing that, and sh- thank you, Keith, for, for making this introduction you and I happen today. But I tell you, the, the thing that's been so grateful, I'm so grateful for is when you spend so long at one company, you don't realize what's outside the walls because yeah. all you know is what's inside the walls. So it's almost like I got released in this like work release program out of jail. <laughs> and there's so many like fantastic people in the staffing and consulting industry. And I, and you're one of them. I was like, Oh my God, this dude's freaking good dude. I've met so many other executives like, and that's what's fun in this job. I get to go serve those people. And, and you meet yes. them like, oh, my God, this culture is so cool. And they're doing such a great thing. And so keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I know I got a few years of life on you, but you're um, I can tell that it's no, it's no reason why you've had the success you've had. And it's been I'm um, grateful for our paths across. Yeah, agreed. Casey, thanks again for coming on, sharing your story. And uh, where can people again, quarterback Dadcast and win the relationship, not the deal or the, is the name of the book. And the Dadcast is the name of the podcast. Yep. Super active on LinkedIn. So people want to connect. I love connecting people. Um, if they want to learn more about me, just go to kcjcox.com, which sounds like kind of a self-deprecating Uncle Rico website, but I got, (laughs) I I have to do it. Um, and just, it just kind of shares that little, my examples of uh, speaking, coaching. I do, um, two testimonies from people that work with me, but yeah, that's probably the best way to, and I love connecting with people. So please, if you want to connect, reach out. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, best of luck finishing out 2023. Thanks, man.